Welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We're your co-hosts on this journey of creativity and productivity. I Create Daily is for artists in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. I Create Daily is a movement for creators serious about your art. If you're into creating anything, this podcast is definitely for you. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of the I Create Daily podcast, a movement for creators serious about their art. I am Devani. And I'm Leora. And our guest today is Bruna Mebs, a Brazilian artist and entrepreneur. She has spent the past few years working with creative people from all over the U.S. and became best known for her ink drawings. Bruna is a phenomenal illustrator serving a variety of clients, including FabFitFun, Farmhouse Inns, Dord, Leota, and Meredith Banshoff. Bruna's artwork has been featured on many blogs as well, including The Skinny Confidential, Kerf, that's K-E-R-F, and Friend for the Ride. Bruna has recently illustrated and published her first coloring book as well, the Olympic Games Coloring Book. After spending some time in New York City and LA, Bruna now resides in Pennsylvania with her husband and bulldog, Achilles. Welcome, Bruna. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on, and we're so excited. We're like, looking, we were looking yeah. through your Instagram and your YouTube videos, and your house is like design goals. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's so funny you guys saying that because I feel like I do the same thing with other people. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, it's and your site is just so beautiful. I mean, your eye for design, detail, and art is just exquisite and so clear in everything you do and everything you put out online. And so but, elegant too, in such a simple way. Yeah, thank you. So nice of you guys. So it's just so, and we know our audience is going to love everything that you're doing, and you're doing so much. It's like almost overwhelming to know like where to start. So let's start with how did what did you start doing in the world of art? How did you get started, and how has that evolved? I know that's a huge question, but let's start. Yeah, been down to the beginning, I guess. Yeah. Well. You know, I do have to go a little bit all the way back because my grandmother is an art teacher. Mm. So art has been a part of my life, I guess, since I remember. Um, and but before I actually thought that I was, I guess, good enough to actually take on art myself, I worked as a costume designer for and fashion design for a few years before actually. And I was doing already a little bit of freelancing in illustration but it was more like people that I knew around me that knew that I was doing some drawings and like can you do this for me mm-hmm. so that ended up growing naturally and then I ended up having to make a choice I guess in which way to continue to do because I couldn't really do costume and this at the same time and so then I ended up doing deciding to go straight with just the artwork so that took over um on its own, I guess. Yeah. So recently you turned 30, right? Yes. That was last weekend. <laughs> We're recording this on October 18th. And so was that the 13th? The 12th. The 12th. Yeah. Okay. October 12th. Happy late birthday. Yeah. We saw your, your photos on Instagram about that. Otherwise we wouldn't be revealing your age, but <laughs> and that's, the, so how long, uh, when did that begin that you started doing your own business yeah. full time? Um, about how long ago is that? So I think what I consider, I guess, the first year of being a full-time illustrator was 2015. 
so three years ago I think before then I was still trying to do a little bit of both things still so yeah I think 2015 is when I officially can say um, it was full-time right so you've grown your brand pretty quickly um when you were working in the fashion and the costume design, did you, was that like a really fun job? Cause a lot of people, when we talk to several creatives, they have a day job that they don't necessarily enjoy, which is why they start thinking like, Hey, maybe I can make my art my day job, but doing costume design sounds pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was definitely fun and also a very creative job. I'm lucky to say that I did, you know, throughout I started working very early since I was like 15 years old I used to work in my dad's company uh, doing design graphic design for him and things like that so I've done a bunch of things like I worked in coffee shops and retail and all of this so I did have the part of doing the jobs that I guess I don't dream about doing it but I was very lucky to also have a job uh, or to have chosen a school in a career that actually was very creative still so it wasn't like I did not like doing yeah. costumes it was more like I liked both equally I guess and I actually had to pick one because I just couldn't possibly do both like if anybody that know knows anything about the film industry it's like you're working 16 18 hours a day yeah. you're away from home and you're gone for like four to six months in a movie shoot and you don't really have time for anything else so even though I pretend that I could balance both I just couldn't so I had to actually make a decision well and it's interesting that you say that because you know it sounds like a dream job yeah. very glamorous being on movie sets etc but the reality is that you know you're yeah. in a trailer or in a room someplace you know working yeah. uh, I was one of those people that thought the whole glamour and fun was going to be you know and then even thought of going to hotels and stuff like that and traveling would be fun. And then the reality is you actually pretty much in a room somewhere else or freezing cold somewhere else. And then you're missing home and you're in a whole, you can't take another hotel room and living out of suitcases. And, you know, it, it very quickly um, made me realize that that whole like movie that they picture in the movies is not how actually it works. Okay. And, you know, especially not being the actor or the actresses and being, you know, in the costume department, we just like, we were always pretty much crying at the end of every day of exhaustion. So it was definitely not glamorous at all. Yeah. yeah and you definitely didn't have time for a side job there, you know, so I guess yeah. when you were doing side jobs, it was in between movie set jobs or like on weekends, right? That was exactly what I used to do. And then as soon as I would get the call for the next one, I would have to be like, oh, but I'm not done with the illustration yeah. for that job, you know, it yeah. was crazy. So, so were you, um, were you professionally trained besides your grandmother? Like, did you actually go to school for art beyond that? Or is it all been experiential? So I went to school for fashion design, knowing that I wanted to do costume, but one of so when you go to any fashion school, um, you kind of learn both ways, the sewing part and the drawing part, I guess. And obviously the drawing part was my favorite part. So I should have known then that that was somehow was going to take over. But I guess I didn't put it together um, that it was going to actually just be what I wanted to do. But I used to any classes about drawing, like we used to have to do model drawing and life drawing. Like they do give you a base more than just fashion drawing I guess mm -hmm. and I used to take them all 
So, and just used to always be pushing the sewing away. I'm like, I don't want to sew anything. I just want to be drawing all these clothes, you know? Yeah. So I didn't actually go to a fashion for a drawing or art school, but I also did major in uh, art history. So I don't consider myself having a professional education in being an artist, but I guess I did have drawing lessons. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, the best, yeah. And, but the best education is doing it right. You know, in the end, it's just, yeah, exactly. And honestly, even after school, I didn't think my artwork was good. You know, it was more from, I just like doing it. So then from doing it so much, I guess you do improve naturally. So, so I was going to ask you something else, but since you just said that, um, and we like to have organic conversations. Yeah. When did you think and feel that your work was good enough? Hmm. Gosh, do I even think it's a good order for now? <laughs> uh, it's a hard question. I'm like, my husband always jokes that there was a point that I used to be drawing, just throwing all the work away before he actually could see it. And he would be so mad because he thought it was good, you know? And I was like, no, this isn't even good enough for him to see it. So I don't do that anymore. So maybe I guess we're in a good point now um, that I'm able to say this is not my favorite, but I don't need to throw it away. Yeah. Um, so I think, oh gosh, that is such a hard question. I think maybe to around six months of doing it every single day, I think I started to not feel embarrassed at least about it and put it out there on online, you know, and hopefully... I, I, if you go back to my Instagram, I guess you can probably see some of the earlier things from two to three years ago that I can probably say I'm not proud of it, but I was already like, I'm putting it out there. I don't care. I want to see what people say, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. That's so important. It's really great for you to share that because I think that's like a common malady amongst artists is, um, it's you know, not good enough. it's not good enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Because you always, yeah. you know, it's, it, there, it's quite a process of bringing your vision you know, and down to the physical plane, you know, it's like the perf perf perfection can live in the mind and it's harder yeah. to accomplish in reality. So I can see where we always kind of like, always feel like there's always something else we could do to make it better. And yet the best way to get better is just to keep doing lots of art. And like you say, putting mm -hmm. it out there so that we also get the feedback from the audience, which, yeah. you know, that's a whole other topic, right? Because right. <laughs> it's good to have feedback, but at the same time to not change exactly what you're doing yeah. based on that. Right. Yeah. I read it somewhere. I can't actually exactly remember where, but somebody was saying that you need to remember to just consider it done and not perfect mm -hmm. because if you're trying to achieve perfection with any art piece, I think it's impossible. You always be, you'll probably die working on the same piece. And nowadays it's so important that you think of quality, but you also think of quantity because you need to start, sharing your things and not just have one amazing piece hidden in your house and people will see when you die right, right, right. so then it's important I think I tell myself that every day sometimes like okay it's done not perfect and I'm okay with it you know that's a good advice you mentioned that after about six months of doing art daily you finally started you know building that courage to put it online and share it with other mm -hmm. people do you um do you do you still have your daily art practice? Is it the same? Has it been the same from the beginning? Like you make a piece of art every day? Has it shifted any? What is, what was it's your- very different. <laughs> um, 
So like I said, I grew up drawing. So it wasn't like I started one day and then the six months and then that happened. But it was more that I told myself that that was actually going to be somewhat of what I wanted to do instead of just being a hobby, I guess. So that was the key six months. But I don't want people to think that that was the first line I ever drew because I do think this long period of my whole life did add up. It was a little bit here and there of maybe how I see color, maybe how I see, you know, I don't know how those things actually slowly added to the whole thing I know, but the, that period when I decided to stop taking on film and just drawing a lot, I was, I didn't have a job then because I decided to just save from all the films that I was doing and start when I started thinking about quitting I end up do, do taking a few other jobs and saving a little bit more and then I took that period of six months that I actually didn't have a job and just decided that I was going to put it out there practice my best and see if I can actually get more jobs doing that or if I should go back to it was that was a good thing too because it wasn't like a job that I quit and I couldn't go back to mm-hmm. So I did have that plan B, I guess. If this didn't work, I could always go back and do that. But so then I was drawing every day. And now, oh gosh, I wish it was, sometimes I wish it was still like that, that I would be just drawing my own terms. I've, my days are mostly filled with commissions right now. So I am still drawing, but not what I want to draw, I guess. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Sure. So, and we're, you have a whole other, you know, business aspect mm-hmm. that we want to, your lifestyle design studio and such. We want to get to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really, we have a lot of audience uh, artists in our, or inspiring artists in our audience. And so we really want to understand and learn from your journey and evolution. So specifically your, you do ink drawing. How else do you describe, you know, like what is the actual, their actual terms for describing all of the kind of art that you do? Yeah, so that was the six months that I decided to take. I actually, did, I did not have a style or a specific medium that I liked. So what I told myself was, first month, I'm just going to work with pencil. The second month, I'm going to work with ink. The third month, I'm going to work with watercolor. And then in the end of the six months, I'm going to know which one I like the most, right? Mm-hmm. What happened was I liked them all. <laughs> so I was like, great, now I have no idea how I'm going to focus this. And since I was already sharing a little bit of all these different mediums, I started getting people asking me to do watercolor portraits. And some people asked me to do pencil drawings and some people asked me to do ink. So I kind of ended up having to do them all just because I needed all the work that I could get. And that became a little bit of a messy portfolio, I guess. And the OCD was like, oh my God, I got to fix this. They don't look good together, you know? So... That I think that was more like last year I when I decided to do the branding thing that we can talk about it more later I knew that I had to pick a medium to make it all look the same and I from doing those three things or these three mediums for the past few years I knew the ink was the closest that I could get to I guess, a classic style that it could also bring up to a lifestyle brand. So that's when I chose that. Mm -hmm. But I do still own my Etsy shop, which is a watercolor, because people ask me to do it and I need to get all the work I can get. So I'm not going to tell you if you ask me to do 
I don't know. If you ask me to do acrylic, I'll probably learn how to do acrylic. I'm like, I need the work, you know? So I'm not like, oh, I only do this. But if I could choose in the perfect world, I think I would just stick to the ink because it's, I think what it comes more natural to me. So what kind of, yeah, I, I think is fascinating. Um, so first I want to mention something about all the choices that you made, but first I wanted to ask what kind of ink do you use and prefer? Like, I actually like have it right here. I probably have to read. <laughs> so I mostly now been using just the micro pen um, because they're so practical and they're affordable. I've usually, I have that problem that I think most artists do that when you see, when you go to art store, you want to get everything and you want to try them all. And <laughs> I've tried all of the different like expensive inks and the nibs and all of the cool ones that look so cool. And then, in the end of the day, I'm like, I just need what makes it the fastest, more practical and the safest um, medium. Because if you use nibs or like the dip pens or things like that, Frank, it's so easy to make a mistake. Right. You don't want to risk that time you put into it because of like you sneezed or something, you know, <laughs> or your dog made a noise and made you jump. And that <laughs> had happened to me so many times that I'm like, you know what? I can't afford <laughs> to be making mistakes. So the pen was just like, you know, we want to tell that we're using cool things to other people, but I always just go to like, you know, now that it's actually a business, not just a hobby, I go to what brings me the most value. That's such a good point because yeah. I think we often get caught up in like we see somebody who's a pro and they've been doing it forever and they have like all the right tools and we think like I need that right tool I need their setting if I had their studio and if I were in their shoes with their studio all of this would just be perfect and all my issues would be gone but you get down to it and even the pros are like well I'm using this pen because this works that's all i need <laughs> it is i'm guilty of that like we i would just wish i could own an art supply store but i also think that's another thing that i think could be helpful to let other artists know is um any sort of um constriction that you put in yourself i think it's actually when you get the most creative mm, mm. so i do that i force that to myself a lot i even if it's a personal project, I constrict myself saying this whole project is going to be with this pen. This whole project is going to be with this kind of paper. This whole project is going to be done in this many hours. And I'm not going to look for any more inspiration or any more artists online. Because if you allow yourself to be open to anything, I think it gets, you get so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. right? It's like, that's why I think schools sometimes can be helpful because they give you a project. You have to follow their guides. Mm -hmm. and, and I do that from, I'm crazy probably making my life a lot harder than it has to be, but I do force those constrictions in me. And I think that's when you realize, oh, I could have used this this way. I would have never got to that point if I knew I could just get another pen or something mm -hmm. like that. You know? Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, there's one of our, the books we often recommend is titled A Beautiful Constraint. And it is all about how the creation of constraints um, actually almost like forces or nurtures, you know, a greater creativity. I'm going to write that down. That sounds like my book. <laughs> it's a beautiful book too, written by designers. So I'm yeah. sure you'd love it. Yeah, you'll love, it's, it's very dense, very thick, um, and almost like a textbook. You know, it totally mm -hmm. could be used as a textbook. 
Um, but yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. It's one of those things that's hard to read all the way through because it's so thick and dense yeah. with lots of good information, but it's a really good reference book as well as for inspiration. Um, so on the ink, it was so, so the metaphor that came to mind when you were talking about trying something of everything, first of all, I mean, in and of itself, during those six months, you gave yourself a constraint. Mm -hmm. You know, this month is only this item, right? And so that was, and that was really uh, wonderful. And you ended up loving them all. The metaphor is like, what's happening in your brain is you're building the synapses, you know, between, you know, the, the strands, the neuron strands and the interactions and your synapsing of your brain. And the more we travel down the same pathway, um, whether it's in the woods or whether it's in our brain, then the, the stronger and the bigger and more vibrant that pathway becomes. And so by constantly practicing art every day, um, it's like driving down the highway, you know, like we have a highway now between where we are, what we want to conceive and our ability to do it because we've been doing it every day. So our creativity and our ability to draw, your ability to draw is there and it's pronounced. And then the specific medium is just a matter of deciding which exit to get off. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, I'm going to exit here and use watercolor today. You know, I'm going to exit mm -hmm. here and use, you know, but you prefer to go home to the ink, you know, so I mean, that would be an, a one way of looking at it. Uh, it was interesting choosing ink because uh, because it is so unforgiving. So what are some of your thoughts about why you prefer it? Yeah, um, it's maybe it's the opposite for me. It's because I don't have to worry about color. So it's even more constricted, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, Sense. Because that's what, like when I started working with watercolor, there are so many paint brands and brushes and palettes and I want all of them and I want to try them all and how am I supposed to actually choose a favorite, you know? And I think just that in itself, it's a job, you know, like you researching and looking and trying to save money because obviously art supplies are so expensive and it's ink, I think, even though it wasn't, I didn't choose on purpose to focus on that. The constraint of just, this is it. It's black and white paper. And what needs to actually be, give the meaning to the art is the art itself and not like a shading of color. And there's no shading with ink either. I mean, you can do different techniques to shade your drawing, but there's no lighter um, black or darker black. It's just yeah. one yeah. tone. Yeah. And I think that in itself for me was, it is very helpful to have, to make it simpler, I guess. I'm always trying to make things simpler because I feel like I overcomplicate everything. So <laughs> I force myself to, you know, like simplify, simplify. And I think that was one of the reasons why I really liked using ink. And the other thing is I like the idea of having something done in black and white. And if I want to add color on the computer, I can still do that. So it, I can't take the color away almost, yeah. you know? So I think that worked well. And I'm also a huge fan of anything old looking, vintage, um, classic. Like you take me to an antique shop or old movie or something. And I'm like, I don't know what I like more about it. And I think ink is the one that still looks the most vintage because what watercolor is supposed to be that way, but it became so popular now that it looks so modern. <laughs> And mm -hmm. ink still doesn't. So I think that was probably why mm. I chose that. On your uh, homepage of your website, which is brunamebs.com, B-R-U-N-A-M-E-B-S.com, you have a beautiful painting uh, duo. 
and it is a picture of a, a yacht or boat and one is white background and the other half of it is a black background. So the white background or cream background and it has the ink sketch boat and the other is a black background and it has the white sketch. So I don't know if people can picture this visually. We'll put, um, it, in we'll, the, we'll, we'll put an image of it in, um, in the article. Yeah, that's name. okay. We'll put it in an image with a link to your site. But that's a really interesting, intriguing um, arrangement. I love that, the side-by-side. -side. So what would you like to say about doing that and your thoughts on that? Yeah, and it's funny because it's almost nowadays with the computer and things, what I thought was going to make it constricted from staying with black and white became now an endless option of what I can do on the computer that it's like, oh my God, now what? You know, how can I actually choose? <laughs> or, you know, because when I'm creating the prints after scanning the artwork, I can do any combination of colors, of paper, of texture, or, you know, thickness of lines. Like, it's yeah. endless. And you yeah. can take, if you don't have, like, a deadline for that project to be done, you can be lost in it yeah. because you know, it's fun. It's fun to see how many other ways you can do. Can I do this with a web background? Can I do this in dark and light or mixing, you know? And I think it's that example of that project was something for me that it was like kind of in the beginning when I started to play more with the art itself and changing in the own Photoshop. And I remember when I was doing that project was like, I, I probably had created like 50 different options for it. And it's funny that it just ended up choosing the most simplest ones of the dark and light. But it's, I think that's one of the good things about ink is that you can actually push after the work is done. How else can you make that look different? And they look so different. Yeah. You know, just by changing the background or the color of the lines. I think what's really fascinating is that a lot of creatives, I don't think a lot of creatives consider themselves as black and white thinkers, or um, they like to express with colors and different, like sometimes there's a fun intrigue in deciding like what shade am I gonna use or whatever. But with your art, it almost hones in on the beauty of just here's the finished piece, here's the object, here's what I'm conveying in a black and white thing. And then in your mind, it's almost like reading a book. Um, we don't read, most books aren't written in different colored text. Mm -hmm. Story is in black and white. And in your mind, you can make it anything you want. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the fact that your art is black and white almost allows the viewer to then take the piece and make it their own. So like we could imagine this boat on an ocean that's in the Caribbean or, you know, a sea that's dark blue. Like, mm -hmm. like it's creating a co-experience. That's mm -hmm. nice to hear, you know, cause it's sometimes seeing how people actually see your work. It's not something you would expect, I guess, to be the obvious way. You know, it's nice to see that actually it gives people space for interpretation, I guess. So, yeah. So on your commission work, like, how do you, um, how do they find you? Um, do you, where do you get most of your jobs? You've worked for some major companies. You work for illustrations for products. You've worked for blogs and creating um, art for different bloggers. So how do you get, I, so it sounds like it's an, it's an array. How do most of them find you? And about how many do you do per, and I know that 
the how many question really depends on what it is. So mm-hmm. just like an average, how many you might do a month. Yeah. So the beginning, um, like the first year actually that I was putting stuff out on Instagram and I think, I do think I already had a blog too. I'm not, or on Facebook. It was, some people did find me in the beginning. I don't remember um, how, I don't know if they found through a hashtag or something. And I thought, oh, great. They're finding me. I don't need to do anything, right? They're just going to be finding me because I'm online. And that was it kind of, right? And then it stopped and it's like, okay, so what happened? Was it, you know, beginner's luck, I guess. But, and then I realized it's, I can't just sit around and expect people to find my stuff, right? There's so many people out there. And I think that's for anyone that is listening or watching, you have to put yourself in the go-getter mindset because you can wait around forever. And it's not that they didn't want you to actually work for them. They just didn't know about you, right? So when you reach out, you're actually opening the possibilities instead of, like, I know it's hard sometimes because you don't want to sound desperate or you're begging for work, please hire me, you know, or I trust me, my work is great. Yeah. You don't want to do that, but it's more that you just saying, hey, I'm out here in case you're looking for somebody. Here's my stuff. You know, you might find it interesting. And I think I've done that. Like, I've most of the collaborative bloggers that I found, I was the one actually reaching out to them and say, I would love to collaborate with you. I don't know if this is something you do or if you're interested, but here's my email, my portfolio. If you have some time, take a look. And, you know, in the beginning, you just send like hundreds of emails and you get like two replies, but those two replies are a yes. You know, why not? Like it doesn't matter how many it takes to get the one or two that say yes, because that's how you slowly build. And then they are going to probably talk about what you did for them. And that will bring more people. And when you realize you actually are having more people reaching out to you than, you know, without actually magic happening. Because I do think sometimes we'll feel like, oh, these people got so lucky. They're, you know, some maybe they just got this big break. And that didn't happen for me. It was really like slow emails or messaging people or actually a lot of times I did the work before I emailed them like let's say it was a blogger with a kid and I wanted to do their portrait I would do the portrait beforehand and then send to them and yeah it took the time but I also always saw those things as practice yeah you probably everybody's probably doing a personal project anyway might as well do something that somebody else can use it for something Excellent. so a good mindset yeah yeah and that worked for me i know a lot of people have a hard time even doing competitions or things that are free because they think their time is worth every penny and yes it is worth every penny but until you are at the point that people are looking for you and hiring you you have to it's like an actor right they have to do how many different interviews or you know to actually get the one job right. i see art artists are the same way you have to do a bunch of little free things until one is your big break one maybe it's, i don't know coca-cola is hiring you i don't know yeah. you don't know who's gonna see your work especially online you don't know who the next email is gonna come from mm-hmm. who might stumble upon that piece so i'm really like 
and app like I really tell people like yes do the thing for free I know it's annoying I know you it's not telling them that your work is not worth any money it's just you're not there yet right we have to just give it for free and it's like a baker giving samples of their food like we have to do that and that's our sample it's just unfortunate that our sample takes forever <laughs> to yeah. do. it's not like baking a bunch of cake and giving him a few pieces but it's our sample so yeah i mean you know there are so many industries that have that like uh realtors for instance you know spent less they spend hours and hours you know showing people homes that they may never end up closing you know yeah. so and there are certain industries where that's certainly the case it's for realtors, it's probably less now that people can look at a lot of it online. It saves them a lot of time, but they still have to, when it comes down to it, take the people inside, you know, to the different houses. So, and it's even like, um, a lot of people compare it to, well, you don't go to a, co- a coffee shop and they don't make a free coffee for you and make sure you like it. But at the same time, we forget that, well, they're now an established You're brand. Saying, yeah. Yeah, I can bet you when they were a tiny brand that nobody knew they were handing out free yeah. coffee, probably, and, you know? Yeah, and when they introduce a new coffee drink or yeah. a new dessert, then they still give a free, yeah. free sample. It's like it's a free education or an education fee for your own business. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, from experience, the likability of that free thing will actually turn into something paid or another order that they would tell their best friend. It always happens to me. So it's, it's never been like, that was not worth all that. It was always like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I did it. (laughs) I almost didn't do it. That's so good to hear. And it's such an important point too, because one of the thought leaders we hear uh, that we cite often here is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's all about, he wrote a book titled the thank you economy. Um, And it is that concept. It's like, you know, the, that, you just you give you put it out there in the world and, and at some point yeah. it will come back and you i mean you do it intentionally uh and with some calculation i am in other words you're not going to contact um you know a blog that like a big brand that already has clearly has their own artists or you know whatever it may be you have to use some thought to it and then follow up because that's another thing we mm-hmm. we get contacted by writers for instance and they may not follow up you know so if an artist says you know hey i can do this for you and then the, the, the person replies but they never follow up yeah you know, so really it just requires some common sense and some fortitude and some pers- persistence of all the things you've done I know that you've done them all and it's good to do them all, but have you found, have you seen any trends so far in what is producing the most results for you between yes. the platforms and yeah, go ahead. Um, so regarding the platform itself, I do think, um, I mean, there's no way around Instagram nowadays, even, you know, just because it's the, it's only visual photos. That's, what artists are doing is only visual. It doesn't matter you have a great story behind, it's still the visual that it's selling. So that's really important. I do love YouTube so much, but YouTube is something that it's so demanding and so you do need to put so much time into it that I'm still consider myself such a beginner at mm-hmm. it because I I don't even know. I think I may have like a little over a thousand followers or something, but and then sometimes you just like, oh, it's, it's also another thing, like not be focused on those a thousand followers because all you need is that one follower that really likes your work and purchase once in a while or that one follower that owns a business that will hire you. So, you know, and I know it's hard when you're comparing yourself to like people with a million and I am such a Gary V's fan too. So yeah. it's like, but you have to 
like I said, be patient and keep putting it out there. But Instagram has brought me the most amount of actual sales or paid um, commissions. Ah, that's good. But I don't know if because I just put a lot more effort and being there longer. So it might be relatable. You know, where you put your effort and energy is where a lot of that's going to come. A lot of your results are going to come from. Do you have advice for now that you're doing commission work and selling and stuff, do you have advice for somebody who's just starting out? They're trying to go through the, how am I going to focus? How am I going to pick something? Um, All these great artists are out here. Mm -hmm. How do I establish myself as a creator? Uh, Do you mean on Instagram exactly or anywhere? Just getting started. Like, do you have advice for people who are starting and they're going like when you were a beginner you were like I'm going to take the six months and I'm going to try these different mediums and I'm going to figure out what I like um do you recommend that for most beginners um are you talking about getting started in making the art or getting started in the platforms in making the art making making their art okay so I think it depends exactly on what beginner stage I guess you're considering if you haven't gone to school yet or if you're planning on going to school or if you are already gone to school and now you actually want to make that. I think they're probably a little bit different because when you go to, before you go to school, you're going to test all of those things probably in school itself because they're going to force you to do that. That's pretty much what I think our schools are all about. It's more helping you test a bunch of things and find what you like, um, which I'm also have a little bit of like a difficult time when it comes to art schools, just because I am a big believer that a school or a great school will make you a great artist. You can be a great artist without going to school. You're going to have to work just as hard going to school or not. Yeah. School is just there. And especially if you're going to get all those expensive student loans, you know, really think about it because you can get as much of great uh, experience of doing work if you just push yourself really hard and save all the money maybe and actually not actually put that money to using that into your time, yes. you know, having to get a job when you leave school and then where's the time to do make there are anyway, cause now you gotta pay school. But anyway, that's a whole different um, oh, yeah. Right. topic. Agree. Yeah, we love but, that. We agree hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, so even though I, even with my own school, like I, now I'm still paying the stupid student loans. I don't know how many more, you know, years I have to actually pay them for it, but I don't, I think everything I learned was actually doing on my own, mm. but. But that, Obviously, let me see if your that, parents can pay for it, just go ahead and do it, I guess. Yeah, well, no, that's a really good point, though. And so I think it's really good to emphasize that because your experience is not unusual. And many people have experienced yeah. that, including that when you were going to school for costume design, for instance, no one really told you, well, maybe they did, um, but I'm not sure if they didn't see, doesn't sound like they told you about the reality of how hard that work actually was. You know, it was like, actually like, so... And it was, I went to actually for a fashion design school. So it wasn't, even though I wanted to do costume, it, I couldn't find a school undergrad for costume. You first have to go through something, then do a grad um, degree. So fashion, I guess, was the closest. And they, they make you go to school thinking everybody's going to be a Chanel tomorrow. You know, it's like the reality of that happening and you getting a job afterwards from that. It's just sad. And, you know, it's, dangerous almost it's just it's bad information bad hope I guess to people starting out because it's 
the business side and the making money part of it, I think in any art school is just like, we don't need to talk about this. I just keep talking about this wonderful world that we're all living in school. And then, you know, welcome to the real world when you get out and it's like, what? Yeah. You know, who's going to actually pay me to just be creating mood boards and looking for inspiration and testing materials. But so that's why I think it's hard when you, depending on the phase of a beginner you are or how old you are, right? Because you might be at a point in your life that you have a mortgage and kids. You might be in your point of your life that you're still a teenager. Everybody can be called a beginner when it comes to making art. So I think you just need to be, before anything, very responsible with how are you going to pay your bills, right? We need to all survive and we need to all make a living. And no, I don't believe that any good art comes out of it if you're living on the streets or, you know, if you can't, if you're starving or if you're not healthy and putting your life in danger. So I don't think those things are worth it, the risk. So if, if you're in in a stage that you're still choosing a style or deciding materials, I think setting a specific limit time to test them and stick to them and actually give them enough time to jump off of the beginner stage of like, this is super hard. I don't think I like it because it's hard mm-hmm. to, oh, I'm actually getting better. Maybe I will like it one day once I'm actually, you know, doing it for a long time. Yeah. But I think that also happens. We try something in the beginning and we're not good at it. And then we think we don't like it. Yeah. It's like, okay. no, we actually like it. We just don't like it that we're not good. <laughs> but we like other people's when they're using that material. Why? Right? So that means we actually like it. We just have to be practicing until we're at that stage. It's like probably, I don't know if, if I try to now play a sport or something, I'll probably be so bad at it and think I hate playing that sport. But maybe once I have a group of friends playing that sport after a year, I'll love it. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to give enough time yes. to actually know and not just like put it out there. So that's something that helped me a lot in the beginning. But again, it, this is such a like a, it really depends on where you are with the yeah. beginning. No, but I think, yeah, I love that, all of that. And I think that the biggest, um, and there's a lot of wisdom in there and common sense. And the biggest and most important, I think, takeaway is to do art where you are, wherever you are, mm-hmm. however you can, whenever you can. And, you know, these days, and we often recommend this to people when we're coaching or when we talk about it with uh, guests or on our podcast, and we're just riffing between the two of us. And that is, you know, like, for instance, Devani started, did homeschooling for a good portion of her home, of her schooling. And she started working in uh, social media, serving clients as part of her business education when she was 15. So she was um, er- learning while earning, you know, so uh, learned, you know, like what through working. And so that's the thing. I mean, if you are, um, if someone hires you, it's because they've seen some of your work already. And so they're going to hire you to do some art, you know, and then they're hiring you. And if they don't like it, it's so easy as a student, like you said, to, to do it over. What if you did the, the art for the ladies uh, of her child and she didn't want it? You Meanwhile, you, got, you, you went to school. You got an education. You got practice, which is what artists do anyway mm-hmm. on their own, you know, as a part of honing their craft. So there's so much people can do nowadays to learn one skill at a time and then take that skill and actually begin implementing it in the marketplace. So speaking of that, you said that most of your sales, I believe is this, you were answering that most of your business has come from your commissions have come from Instagram, correct? Or people that I reach out to through email. 
your email. And the people that have found you on Instagram through your art, has there been any kind of trend to like the, what it is that they're looking for? Like, has it been like individuals? Has it been companies? Um, so the individual people asking for personal portraits and things like that, it's definitely much higher than companies. Um, probably because I guess that's easier to start with and the price are probably a lot lower too. But also I think bigger companies and art directors, that's their way of searching nowadays for people. I don't think they even go straight to Google. I think they just go straight to their Instagram and yeah. Pinterest to look for. Yeah. So I think that's probably why that happens too. It's probably because I think individuals may go to Etsy and search for me there because they're look, they don't know exactly how to hire somebody from an Instagram account, but an art director is okay just emailing cold and just saying, Hey, saw your work. We'd love to work. You know? So it's a mix of both. Like, um, FabFitFun found me on Instagram. Jord found me on Instagram. So I think it's a mix of both mm -hmm. and just for different reasons, I guess. And, the companies are usually obviously not interested in portraits, so they usually want me to do some sort of ink or different um, or watercolor like costume painting for them. But it's it's kind of a mix. Yeah. Are you advertising on Instagram or mostly doing organic? So now I advertise, but for the brand side, not never actually advertise for my artwork, just because the cost of it, it was just, it's always so unknown as I think. And I think now with the brand and the actual products, it's a little bit easier to plan it around the return. Cause some people, what happens on, when you advertise on Instagram or especially Instagram, I think people see your thing, they love it and then they save it, mm -hmm. All right, yeah. you know, and they like, Oh, they might come back to you at one point, but you don't know. So you don't know if they actually came from an ad if that was it's hard to know and i think usually with the product people are more into like i'm gonna buy this right away or not that's True. probably why but i don't think it hurts nowadays to give it a try maybe do a targeted um ad straight to just art directors or people that only follow um some specific companies you can do that easily and it might be worth it you know i probably should try that myself yeah. So can you, you mentioned your brand and selling products, and then you mentioned your artwork. Can you sort of give us an overview of what is the brand and the products and how is that different from what you're doing with the artwork? Yeah. So even though they're two separate things, they're kind of all the same. Um, what happened was I, I feel like because I like so many other things, I guess, not just drawing itself i wanted to somewhat incorporate my other passions into one business and i do think a lot of even though i know this is going to probably sound really bad to a lot of people listening but no matter what art is home decor right you're not putting art in your closet or hiding in a box yeah. you're putting it up and that's going to work with the rest of your home liking it or not i know it's like nobody wants to say that they're buying a painting to match their couch but it is what it is, you know, it's a piece of art for a home. It's not a piece of art for your car or yeah. your necklace, you know, it's for your home. Yeah. So I, I thought 
most people when they're buying something for their home, they're not just like, I'm going to go to that store to just buy a bowl. So it's a bowl store or a vase store or a blanket store. It's a store that sells a lot of things for your home. And usually art is being sold or prints in those locations. So I wanted to reach out to people that are looking for home things and not just art because I felt not only I'll get a ranger, a bigger range of people actually, they're searching for things that could find my art. They might just be looking for a blanket and then, oh, this is a great art piece. Maybe that will go well in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. So I thought that could help me expand. And at the same time, I could put my own illustrations into products. So I could create a line of bed sheets for kids or, you know, maybe a, some sort of collection of pillows and the drawing can be in them. So I felt that it would both work for each other. <laughs> if that makes sense. And that's why I think it happened um, automatically. I was like, how can I combine all of this? I'm like, oh, nowadays there's something called lifestyle brand. Yeah. That will incorporate all of it together. So that's kind of how the idea started. And the idea of collections, I think also came from maybe my background in fashion. And at the same time, my need for something to hold me and constrain me into like you gotta finish this by that month and you yeah. need to have 10 and that helps me actually like stay on track of not testing everything I could possibly test I yeah. love how business-minded you are about it because yeah. that's that's not so it's becoming more common but it hasn't been very common in the art space and just taking it to the next step it's like I'm an artist but you know this art goes in homes and all of this should match and look nice so that's that's awesome I think that's why it's so hard to make a living with your art nowadays because we most artists we don't have the business side it's seen by most people as the annoying side right the side that you don't want to have to deal with it so I like struggle a little bit with it in the beginning because I just felt just putting great art out there that should be enough right I'm like the people should come and look at this and say I want to buy that thing from that girl and I'm going to order right now and when that doesn't happen and you need to pay your bills it's like okay how can I actually so then I started going to the whole like business path of like reading all the books and listening to everything and then making a business plan and actually making, you know, like saying, make sure that all your expenses are actual things you need and stop buying all these art supplies. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So and speaking of pricing and uh, finances, how do you decide how much to charge? Yeah. Hard question too. Gosh, how do I wish we all had like a book to yeah, right, <laughs> refer right. to like how much you should charge for original eight by 10 on a watercolor page that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's a, it's an interesting point. And yeah. like, is there any kind of industry range or standard someplace published someplace? I think there's actually, there is a book, something like that for illustrators when they're, but it's more for commissions, I think, but I've, I can never trust a book to make my decisions at this point when it comes to price because you go online, there's people asking for fifteen dollars or fifteen hundred. Mm. You know, it's yeah. it, it's yeah. it's tough and it's I think it's trial and error. You try for fifty dollars and people are buying. You try it for seventy-five, people are still buying. You try for two hundred, the sales dropped or maybe they increase when you make a sale. So then you kind of know a little bit the range or when it's a commission if they don't tell you their budget you say a price if they say yes right away you knew it was 
probably too cheap the next time when you get an offer you say a little higher and I don't think there is a unfortunately like an easier way to know besides because even research I can tell you I'll just go research how other people are asking for but honestly the prices are so different you know and depends of how big of a name you are you can ask for some things like Mm -hmm. an actress underwear that's really famous can be sold for a hundred thousand dollars and my underwear is not gonna you know what I mean like obviously you can't it's so hard so I think for me it was more that like I just kept trying different things and see can I ask for a little more maybe I'll ask for you know and then sometimes it was too high and then the person came down and right learn but yeah, that makes sense. No, and it, absolutely. Basically, you're just talking about, you know, this is the market. The market's telling you, meaning your mm-hmm. customers are letting you know. And and including that it's important to take into account, okay, so if the price at 275 you didn't sell as many as when the price is 75 but it, you know, you're still making more yeah. in your time, oh, that yeah. would be worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, better to do one for 275 than to do maybe five, then to do two at 75 if it takes but, you twice as long, you know? That's totally, and that's like my husband's in my ear all the time, like, but Bruno, you're doing less work and making more money now. That, but yeah. at the same time, I have to, and this is a thing that for me, depending on what I'm selling makes a lot of sense too. Sometimes selling more helps more the business than actually making more money. True. Just because it, that mom that orders something would tell her mom's friends. True. And yeah. that will bring actually more work. So it's so hard <laughs> to know. Obviously, you need yeah, to know yeah. the minimum you need to charge to pay at least for your supplies and your time and pay your bills. Right. Once you get that, then you have that little bit of room to play. Yes. And you need to see what's in the beginning, especially, what's more worth it to you. It's quantity of people that know about you or yeah. just making more money for less work because then you know, there are some people that only sell one piece a month, but it's so expensive that it's enough, right? Yeah. So that's a great it also point. depends on, I think, your medium, how long it takes for you to do. And there's so many things you need to take into account with pricing from, you know, your own living to your own art. It's all, yeah. So, so really there's no, it makes sense. It's not black and white. In this case, it's not ink. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why it's so hard. <laughs> Many shades of gray. Um, and it make because it really, and I think in a way, what you're describing is that in a way it's all a win because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're selling your art and you're selling more for less then you're getting referrals. If you're selling uh, fewer for more, then it's valued your time better. And, you know, on the other hand of that is that while that person may be telling fewer people because there's only one person, um, they may ha- be a higher clientele of people that they're referring to you. So I see one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so just a matter of, you know, yeah. throwing it all out there again and just yeah. to keep on doing, I think the bottom line really keeps coming back to just keep doing your work, keep yeah. doing what makes sense, keep, um, you know, doubling down on what's working and refining and tweaking and improving on that. And be patient. I know and it's so patient. hard. It's yeah. the hardest. Nobody wants to hear that, right? It's like, nobody, we don't want to be patient. I got, that's <laughs> one skill. I think if I die with a little bit of pain, I'm going to be happy because I'm working so hard to be patient. I just want things to happen like yesterday. Yeah. Just usually brings in all the other struggles of trying to do too much. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
So speaking of doing too much, so one of the things that some of the artists in our communities do is they um, like to exhibit their art at shows. Mm -hmm. um, do you do any of that? And what is your perspective on that? I've never done that, but I, I'm not opposed to either. I just think with shows, there's different ways, I guess, you can do a show. Like if you're, if a gallery, I guess, wants to display your work, you need to make sure that it's worth what you, the percentage you're giving them. Right, because galleries ask so much. And I've done things that like stores bought my work to try to sell at their stores and they would take a percentage of the sales too. And I think if you have a quantity amount of paintings laying around, might as well try, right? But if you only have a few and you need to make the most amount of every piece, maybe it's better to try to get all of the money from it for yourself and not sell somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But galleries and shows can probably give you great exposure if you're in a good location. Um, I just don't know if my work, it's the right work for them. Usually just because I do so much of commission, obviously, which takes so much of my time. And now with the collection, it's something still so new that I haven't yet able to reach out to even see, um, you know, and like I said, like time, it's, you. I don't know if they'd probably want you to create a special collection just for them to display somewhere. So it's, I think every opportunity you can get to try it, it's a good try, but I just haven't, I haven't done that yet. I like that. I think to, for us, since we're more focused online, um, I think that uh, it would make more sense for us to, if we were doing visual art, to put it online because you have access to a wider direct buying audience yeah. so it's like you're spending that time and effort building out your own shop mm -hmm. so to speak and building out your own um platform so i think for us that would be where we would go if we were doing that kind of visual art yeah um and and uh, but i was going to ask you also about and we want to definitely come back to your shop just a little bit um i do you know about how many commissions is there like an average number of commissions that you're tending to do per week or per month now um, and yeah. Yeah. So an average, what I do is so I'm with, it comes back, I guess, with the whole management organization and constricting myself, like everything that I do is very timed and on a to-do list on a plan on, yeah. you know, there's no, like I wake up and we'll see what the day brings. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is zero of that, which yeah. my husband also always makes fun of me because there is no room for, spontaneity in my life it's like you know we're gonna eat dinner we're gonna watch this show at this time at this time then I gotta go to bed I gotta wake up it's like oh one o'clock and if I see behind my schedule you know and it's because but that's the only way to get all of this stuff done and out there in the right time right so I drive myself crazy with all the schedules and organization but that kind of helps me know how many commissions can I take? How many projects can I do it all at the same time? Because unfortunately we only have a limited amount of time, right? And no matter how many new teas or coffee I can drink to make me sleep less, unfortunately I cannot find another way to have more time, which I try so hard. I tried everything you can think of to like <laughs> optimize my time, you know? But so what happens usually is I can get two to three pieces done a day if I'm working eight to 12 hours, right? Yeah. So, and 
depending on the time of the year or the project, if it's worth it, I will work weekends too. So it really depends, I guess, on the demand on the project itself. Like right now, to give an example how crazy things are, I probably have maybe 50 to 60 commissions booked. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy because two of them were big. One of them, it's a project for this new brand that this person's creating. And that was a big box of 50 illustrations. So that started a few, maybe a month ago now. So I have done a lot of them done already. And then I got another project that is to create a calendar for this um, landscaping company. So that was another 14. And then obviously my Etsy shop is still going because I didn't know that those things were coming up. So that already had its own like 15 to 20 open orders. So it is kind of crazy right now. That's it's not always like this at all, but the end of the year, it gets like really busy because everybody ordering stuff for Christmas. So I usually know that from October to February, I won't have a life much and, yeah. It's just trying to get those things done. And again, it's a good time when you see that you're growing because every year more things are showing up. It's just really hard to know when to say no because you want all the work and you, want, you don't want to seem ungrateful and you don't know where the next thing's going to come. So I'm usually the crazy person. I'll say, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like now I don't. And, but I tell myself it's a good problem to have. So yeah. I just need to figure out how to, accomplish them all but I would say if it wasn't for those two big projects on average from just my Etsy shop I'd probably get maybe 10 a week so that's usually um at right now right so obviously last year was probably five and you know it does increase with time and on top of that I have the brand which takes part of my day too that I can't really just so it's just yeah it's a lot and it's yeah. <laughs> I, don't, like a, I feel like I'm overwhelming everybody listening to this no, no, <laughs> a, a lot of people yeah. we know are very they're multi-passionate creators multi-talented creators and have a lot going on yeah. you mentioned time optimization and that you'd tried all the things what are like the key things you do to make all this run the activities whether it's waking up early eating a specific diet doing a specific productivity habit yeah, I'm, I feel like everything works kind of thing. So there's not like one thing that I can say, do this and it will all yeah. work out. It's a combination, I think, of all those things. But I am a super morning person. I wake up at 4.30 mm. every day. Oh. <laughs> I know, but I also go to bed super early. Yeah. So I'm not the person watching prime TV, you know, like for yeah. me, like 9, 9.30, I'm, I can't even like function anymore I might as well just go to bed and like my husband's always like I know we can watch this show I'm gonna everything's recorded and planned and like for the weekend you know because it just never I'm never awake for the good stuff um so that I think helps me a lot because I think even when people say that they're not morning people what they want to do at night is not work it's have fun so then I'm like it's not that you're a morning like if yeah. you're working at night, then fine. You can call yourself a night person. Yeah. But if you're having fun, everybody wants to have fun at night. Yeah. I did too. Like I want to, that's when everybody's relaxing, right? So if you spend the majority of your hours at night and that's what you end up doing or online, 
like having fun, anything you like reading or whatever, but it's actually your fun time, mm-hmm. then I don't think you're not, not a morning person. You just right. want to have more fun. And I think that's okay. You just need to choose where your hours are going. You need to be very careful that you're not just saying, I'm not a morning person. I'm going to stay up until two in the morning. But what were you doing from 10 to two? Yeah. And that's when I think it gets tricky. So I force myself to wake up early because I know I'm just going to be more productive. It's not that I'm not tired. Right. <laughs> it's just that it works when at the end of the day, I know I'll get more done than if I go to bed at two because I know I'll be slower at night. So I think that's a huge thing scheduling everything i think it's another key because it's so it's even hard because you don't know how long things will take exactly especially with our work right something can take half an hour to five hours you don't know but you need to have at least that block of a minimum amount of time you need and even if you don't do this full time and you're just doing this after you come home from work and working you need to know like from six to eight what you're exactly doing because if you if you come six o'clock and then you're going to decide what you're going to do. You're going to waste at least half an hour. And then you're going to search for inspiration and your photo. And then you're going to get all your materials. And then it's 7 o'clock, right? Yeah. So if you decide on a Sunday, Monday I'll do this, Tuesday I'll do that one. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have those two hours, you'll get more done. Yes. So for, I try to have, you know, at least my week um, fully prepared and blocked and planned. So I know at least... If, I, if something new comes up, how am I going to make that work? So I think that makes me be able to get more done than people would think probably yeah. because it's all timed. Like my social media is timed. I'm not just, oh, let's see what's going on on Instagram. Yeah. It's like, no, I have from 12 to 1 o'clock to post, to comment, to like, to browse, you know? And That's 1 good. o'clock hits, I need to go back to drawing or I'm not going to finish the drawing because it's so easy to get lost and yeah. or page one more thing to do yeah. one more smoothie bowl photo guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic exactly that's fantastic yeah. discipline and structure we love that um and speaking of being very time conscious we still have a couple more questions we wanted to ask you but it's more it's like we're at the maximum of what we said we would take of your time do you have like, oh no go ahead yeah okay, okay those are not and that's the thing i'm strict with my time but i also have a realization that some things are worth taking the time obviously talking to you guys it's okay <laughs> if it's okay if i don't browse on instagram for 20 okay. more minutes <laughs> okay. okay so i know our audience will want to know so we want to get back again to your store kind of in closing with that but first um your other store you mentioned etsy a few times and mm-hmm. so we have people who have things on Redbubble and on etsy um and i don't think anyone's really doing that well on either one so what can you tell us how is your etsy store doing is it you know profitable are you is it doing really well uh, what tips do you have yeah so etsy has been actually really good to me um even though i'm probably not as grateful to it as it should be because i try to sell as much on my website and not on etsy Uh, especially in the beginning I was like I'm not gonna be one of those Etsy sellers I'm gonna have my own shop you know but then I was like I'm gonna open just to see and then the majority of orders were coming from them and I think it's just because people are there to shop right people are not there to just it's not an Instagram account that they're just browsing they might see your stuff they're there to shop it's a shop place so if you can get your work to be seen by the shoppers with the right titles maybe doing, I do a lot of ads on Etsy for my custom portraits because they, 
bring you to the first page. And people don't have patience to go to the fifth page to see what else is out there. Yes. So whatever you can get to the first page, um, the ads might be worth. In the beginning, you might not see a big exchange of return, but since my items in there are most custom portraits, they're more expensive. They usually, even if it cost me $10 for that ad, it was worth it because they're paying like 200 for the portrait, right? So you have to, I think that's a good thing to definitely try to get in the first page um, and try to only advertise your higher price items, I guess, because the lower prices will be hard to make it worth the ads, I guess, especially mm -hmm. if you're doing something that has a lot of competition. Um, so yeah, I think it's also patience, right? Like the first year I probably got five sales and even now, like it probably shows there less than 300 sales, but it's because Etsy also doesn't count the sales that order more than one item. So if a person ordered 10 things, they will only consider one sale. Hmm, that's not yeah. Or they, let's say if it's a custom listing you created for somebody, let's say the 50 drawings came from Etsy, they only consider one. So don't look at people's also selling pages. Oh, she only has 50, but maybe it was 50 that had multiple things in that one order. Hmm. So it's hard to know from there. Um, and my shop right now only has the four things, which is home portraits, baby portraits, um, pet portraits. Like it's only portraits right now. I don't have actual artwork being sold there, but I used to have it and I think it's, it still worked. I just don't have it anymore just because it's one more thing for me that right now it's just not worth the time to try to sell them and advertise them or anything like that. But I'll probably will introduce like a big sale because I have been organizing my old artwork and I do want to like try to create a big sale for them. So Etsy would be the place that I would do that in and not my website. Cause I also would like to have like the ink just on my website and then Etsy become just a watercolor. That's my way to at least having it organized. And I think the people on Etsy are the clients actually like the cute things, you know, so watercolor is more their thing than, mm -hmm. um, so, so are you, is your Etsy work then um, that you're getting commission work from what you have on Etsy or are they actually buying the things that you have that are showing up Both. there? Which Both. Which is funny because the two big projects that I was mentioning to you guys that I have this month, the calendar and the other brand, they both came from Etsy. Wow. Oh, cool. Because since they are home related things, they went there and then they saw my home portraits there and then they... So that's what I'm saying. The more you can put your stuff out there, you don't know who's going to find you, right? You don't, right. it's Sorry. more exposure, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. So it shows like on your Etsy store, it says 303 sales and that you've only been on Etsy since 2016. And based on your comment, that means you've actually sold more than that because it's oh, only yeah. showing one sale per customer. So that's 303 customers, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Awesome. That's fantastic. So in two years, I mean, that's really fantastic. So it definitely looks like a good source for you. And, and I also think you have to keep in mind, let's say a store is selling stickers. Obviously they're going to have a bigger uh, amount of sales, right? Cause every item was probably $5, $3. So it's easier to find 10 people to pay $3 than five people to pay 200 to 300. So 
it's hard to also compare other people's selling. Mm. Um, so I think that's a lot of people also feel like, oh, I only have to, but like you have to see what you're selling. You know, like I'm only selling items that are above $150. So yeah, it's don't compare yourself to people with like thousands of sales because you don't know what items they were selling to make that bulk number. Absolutely. That's a great point, which makes it really hard, I think, to identify the top Etsy sellers because um, it depends on what you're selling and you know, the volume. Yeah. Don't yeah. compare yourself. So, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, period, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is it that, okay, so this is like the, the closing kind of thing we really wanted to learn more about. So you have a shop on your um, website. Mm -hmm. um, like, so when it, we're wondering, is it Shopify? And then also your collection, your studio collection, lifestyle design, life, lifestyle collection. Um, are those all things that you've designed? Is it from art that you've created? Like, how is that working? Where are the products coming from and what shopping cart kind of system are you using? So it's through Squarespace. Um, and since I'm doing collections, every collection, which that started this year, this whole idea of releasing through collections. And the first one was only the artwork because I actually didn't have enough time to get into products or anything yet. So it was just um, that collection of the pieces for then. And then I think it was in the beginning of September, I launched a second collection and that had um, some home decor items as well as the art pieces. And those are, um, those home pieces were just things that I've found from other um, manufacturers that I decided to just resell on my store. But that's just because since it's the beginning and I'm still exploring the idea of selling home decor, I didn't want to go into full production of my own stuff and put all that money into whatever it's going to take to, because when you manufacture your own thing, you need to do like a thousand pieces of something, right? Mm -hmm. So then you would only be able to start your shop with one thing probably. Right, right. So I didn't want to do that because I want to first see if this actually has um, a good response from people. So first I was like, I'm just going to find things that I think work for the theme of the artwork. And if that goes well, I can save the money from the sales from that to actually start bringing hopefully um, things that I actually design, like maybe fabrics and wallpaper and actual objects later on. But again, it's, it's, it would be so great if I had all this money and somebody to invest in the business and be able to do all of that from the beginning. But it's a lot of, and it's a lot of risk, right? I don't know yet how that's going to work out. So I didn't want to invest yet in that side. Why? so many great people already creating some beautiful things, you know, I don't have a problem reselling them. Right. So, so is that, are you buying them? Like you had some beautiful like marble platters, you had some wooden bowls and mm -hmm. things. Are, it's are a mix of local people that I've found and online people um, that I've reached out to. And I think some of these actual vendors are just people representing other sellers from maybe even China or other countries. I know there's some things that I was trying to get from Brazil that I actually had to talk to a representative that was reselling or just representing those sellers to buyers. So it's a mix of everything that I, the more important, the most important thing that I wanted to do was just create a cohesive idea of a theme. So I had to look for a bunch of random places to 
what can you create the idea for the lodge, which is the name that I gave for the latest one. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, and so on those people that you're finding, are you saying that you're sending the clicks to their site or you're actually no, buying them? And I bought. Okay. I'm so. actually shipping because I want to not only pack with the whole branding design with my own tissue paper and put my own card about telling about my own artwork. Cause I think that's what makes you different and people come to you, right? They can buy, if they're, if I'm going to send them to another store, I'm actually losing that customer to that store. Right. So yeah, that's a great point. It's hard. I know a lot of, it's easier if you're just an influencer and you know, actually want to sell anything yourself. But since I want to sell my artwork, I want to keep these customers in store and coming back to me and not to another. That's why I chose to actually purchase those products and then ship them. And that's so smart on your uh, homepage is a, is a, I think it's a homepage is your YouTube video. Is that your kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> that's gorgeous. Thank you. We just redid the whole um, house last year when we moved back in here. So yeah. That's why I think it, that probably forced me to be more into home decor, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yes. And so, um, yeah, and your videos and all of this, we look for, we haven't seen them all, but we're definitely going to go through them. We love your brand, everything you're doing, um, your, your wisdom, your work ethic, your structure, structure creativity, your business sense. Yeah, oh. it's just, you know, fantastic. We're very impressed with what you're doing and we're looking forward to continuing to follow you uh look forward to sharing this podcast with our audience and to stay in touch with you um just keep up with how things are going for you thank you so much can i actually ask you guys a question too yeah um so why you guys decided to do the podcast why did you decide to create this because we saw a lot of artists struggling with thriving and we wanted to build a platform that could support an artist from anywhere from an artist starting out or just an, an artist who needed help getting exposure to their work. And we call it I Create Daily because we also view entrepreneurs as artists. So not just visual artists, not just writers. We wanted to create a brand that really um, helped artists figure out the selling aspect of selling their work, but then also providing a platform to share their work so that they could also grow. And, and then a community, of course, because artists love community. As, as much as we like isolating ourselves while we're working, we also like touching base with other artists and other creators. Yeah, and, but we love creativity and um, you know, on all um, areas and all areas, our primary area of creativity right now is writing and the business side of it, creating websites and connecting people. We love connecting with people and having conversations and learning about you know, what people are doing in the world, you know, interesting work, artists, creators, and then you know, to share that with others because everything you shared here today um, will be so helpful for artists in all, you know, from just starting out to already, you know, already working and selling their art, you know, the more we have these conversations, the more I think we help each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm so happy that I was able to talk to you guys because it's more, you guys are giving me almost like a validation for what I'm doing. It's yeah. going okay. But yeah. at the same time, it's, I think people do need to hear all the other episodes that you guys have been putting out. I think it's all a combination of all this information that 
nowadays we're so lucky to have it available you know we need to not take it for granted like listen take notes and listen again don't just like okay great next you know actually make a plan from the all this information that you listen to because i think we listen to so many podcasts and books nowadays that it's so easy to get lost with all the information and i think it's so important to you know take your time with each one of them actually make notes and make that into a plan and add it to your calendar because if not you're just gonna lose that note and into the mix of everything else is gonna happen tomorrow yeah absolutely and to not let your our consumption um outweigh or exceed our production oh yeah yeah so so that do you listen to podcasts or music while you're creating i actually i listen to podcasts when i'm running actually when i exercise and audiobooks when i'm doing um there are drawings just because podcasts usually are more almost more um compact with information because it's just that hour there 40 minutes with all that stuff and i find that if i'm doing that and drawing i just want to actually start doing the things that the podcast is telling me to do and write notes i'm like oh yeah i gotta you know and right. the audiobooks is more paced so that's easier to do when you're doing art and then if you can actually like maybe when you're driving listen to podcasts when you have that short period of something because that will help you also like only listen to one a day and making the most out of that one instead of like okay have eight hours to do something i'm going to listen to a podcast you're not going to be able to actually like make the most out of them too much you know right so what book have you listened to recently what audio book oh this is actually a funny one it's from this real estate agent i think it's called sell it like sirhan it's the name of the book and it's all about how do you sell more anything so that i have not finished yet but that's been already like such a you know eye-opening on like selling that it's so much more of an active thing than just waiting to buyers come to you Great. Definitely. 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 Well, oh, you know, we mentioned, so your coloring book is on, is it on Amazon now? Your Yes. Okay, good. We'll definitely be sure to link. How is that doing, by the way, on Amazon? To be honest, I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, how you're like, you're done with that thing and then you're like, forget about it. It's been what two years now i think that's been out there and in the beginning it was like oh i I have a coloring book and i was like oh yeah i also did that you know (laughs) it's also it's something that gets um peak usually either during holidays or some sort of sporting event Mm -hmm. so it's not like a coloring book i think that will be selling um at any point so it's hard for me to also know but again it was a self project you know it wasn't like i went to a publisher to get this published so if people are thinking about i'm like just do it you know if you sell five of them you sold five of them but at least it's you know in your portfolio it's learn something from it now you can say that you have a book and i got lucky that my actually it's i mean i sell probably maybe 10 a month so you know it's but it's more like it was such a great experience and now I'm just writing, I'm actually writing my next book oh, instead nice. of being a coloring book. Um, who knows when that's going to be ready, but it's, you learn something from every time you do something like that and you put yourself out there. So Absolutely. we're so lucky that we can self publish and I'll just 
Publish all your ideas, people. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Don't overthink it, you know? Yes. Don't overthink it. Just publish it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Bruna, for your time and sharing. Yes, and all your wisdom and advice. Thank you, guys. It's been such, like, almost like therapeutic (laughs) to just be talking it out loud, things that you just skip it inside, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Artists tend to like Devani said earlier, we tend to work alone. You know, we have to, you know, entrepreneurs often are isolated. Artists are often isolated. Yeah. So it's good to share it all out there. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.